this is Glover Teixeira, UFC light heavyweight champion. Hi, I'm Robbie Lawler. What's up, Fight Family? This is your favorite MMA coach, Tiago Alves, the Pitbull. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Pedro Munoz. Mike Brown. Hey, I'm Alex Alenik. And welcome. And welcome. And welcome. And welcome. And this is We Want One Picks. And you're watching We Want Picks. To We Want Picks. To We Want Picks. To We Want Picks. To We Want Picks. Hi, everybody from America. My name's Angelo, and welcome to We Want Picks. Jacob and I are going to break down the entire UFC Vegas 47 Hermanson vs. Strickland fight card. We are going to give you our bets, our picks, and our fantasy plays. Make sure you watch this entire video because we also are going to break down Brendan Allen vs. Sam Alvey, which was literally just announced about three or four hours ago. But luckily, we know them well, and we were able to put that together. If you want $55-0 free dollars from us, go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. Sign up with any one of our five betting partners. Make a deposit. After you do, let me know, and I will send you 50 bucks. It's that simple, and it is a thank you for supporting us and our partners. Jakey boy, we had a week What's off. What's up, Angelo? Hello, how nice are you? Nice headphones. Look at those headphones. Thank you so much. We have stereo what are those? audio now. Okay, come on. Let's get into this. We have stereo audio now. thought you so wanted a humble brag. I did not. First up, at UFC Vegas 47, we have Malcolm Gordon fighting UFC newcomer Dennis Bodnar. Malcolm Gordon, 13-5 and five overall, 3-2 and two in his last five, and he's coming off a win over the other Figueredo brother. Dennis Bodnar is 5-0 and oh in his last five. He's riding a 10-fight win streak. He's 16-3 and three overall, and this is an interesting fight, and it's opening up the card. Malcolm Gordon's a BJJ black belt. He's got solid striking, or at least it's technical. His chin is a little suspect. He has a really high striking guard, so he's keeping his hands right up here, almost like a Muay Thai stance, uh, and he likes to come forward. In the past, that's opened him up for takedowns. It's opened him up to get cracked every now and then. Um, but ultimately, that's fine because he wants to be on the ground. He wants to play the grappling in the jiu-jitsu game. He does average almost two takedowns per fight, but he has a very low 18% takedown accuracy. Because of his chin, his path in this fight and any other fight to victory is to get it to the ground as quickly as possible. Dennis Bodnar is wild. He's wild. He comes running forward, just wings punches from all directions, and then he drops down, grabs your legs, Picks you up old school Matt Hughes style, as I like to say, and then walks you across the cage, slams you down. His takedowns and slams are really, really impressive. On the ground, his jujitsu is solid. It's pretty basic, meaning, and I've said this a few times, and, and I don't want anybody to get offended. It's basic, meaning he has mastered the basics. He has really nice positional control, nice arm bars, head and arms, solid, straightforward submissions like that. And he will run those basics from top. He works from position to position. He moves really well on the ground. He's not likely to snatch something in a scramble or anything like that. But he is solid on top. And Dennis Bodnar is absolutely the pick for me. Even though Gordon will probably have a speed advantage, a technique advantage on their feet. And he's the more technical jujitsu guy. I do think Bodnar's wild punches are going to get Gordon to back up potentially catch Gordon, whose chin is not good at all, uh, and throw him out of rhythm. 
Bodnar's relentless takedown attempts will absolutely be there. Um, he'll get it to the ground. I see him dominating. Gordon's going to have the better jujitsu, but I don't think it's going to be a threat, especially not off his back. It's certainly possible Malcolm Gordon gets a takedown, but not with 18% takedown accuracy. I like Dennis Bodnar here to have a very, very shiny and fun UFC debut. What do you think, Jakey boy? Yeah, this is kind of throwing him into the fire. You mentioned this is the UFC debut, so we'll see how he performs in the uh, the bright lights of the Apex with uh, all 12 fans. But this is kind of throwing him into the fire because Malcolm uh, Gordon is a good grappler in his, in his own right. He also wants to uh, offensive wrestle. And I think this really is going to come down to, quite simply, is who is better off their back. And unfortunately, uh, we haven't seen a lot of tape from Bondar on his back because he's usually the offensive guy. But we have seen Gordon on his back, and that was the last fight. He kind of got out-scrambled by Figgy at times, um, and he, he kind of struggled uh, on his back. He kind of just kind of sat there, and Figgy was able to control him. He lost a couple scrambles. And I think in this situation, I think Malkin's going to try an offensive grapple. I think Dennis is going to try an offensive grapple. And you mentioned Bondar. His name is the Psycho. I think he wins the scrambles. I think he controls the top position a lot better than Malcolm's going to be able to, even if Malcolm is able to get the takedown you mentioned he's probably not going to be able to get. So uh, I, I'm with you all the way. I actually think these odds are probably a little bit wide uh, since he is a newcomer and Malcolm is, is good in his own right. But uh, I'm, I'm de definitely Dennis all the way in this fight. Yeah, so we're both on Dennis Bodnar, uh, you know, or Bondar. The problem is with UFC debuts, it's really hard to just stick a flag in the ground and say, I'm throwing my money here. But if we look at the odds, I mean, he's a sizable favorite. Malcolm Gordon is, you know, the problem is his chin and his offensive grappling is hard to get it done when that's his path. What do you think of the monkey knife fight line? The reality is I do think this fight goes a little longer. I mean, Malcolm Gordon is still, I wouldn't say a UFC vet, but he's got some solid experience at this level. I think he can, as long as he doesn't get clipped when Dennis comes in with those wild strikes, I think he can survive a bit, and more and more is probably the play here. I agree, and I actually, this could be one of those fights where they both want an offensive grapple, and it turns into kind of a stalemate, and then they end up striking a little bit. So I, I think even if they grapple, there's some scrambles, they get back to their feet, and I, I think they strike a little bit more than you would expect. So I definitely would play them more and more. Yeah, and anybody who wants to mess with those lines, that is Monkey Knife Fight. So go to wewantpicks.com slash mkf. You essentially see the line like this, and you say more or less strikes will be landed. And if you're right, you can triple your money. You put a few together, you're 25 times your money. It's and a if, ton and of fun. If, yeah, yeah, if you're new to it, every Friday we drop a full video about how we feel about these cards with the line. So if you're new, sign up um, and look for Friday's video, and we'll help you out. It's a ton of fun. And DraftKings, also fantasy. Listen, $9,100 for a UFC newcomer. I get it. He's definitely the better fighter. I think he should win. I don't necessarily like him at $9,100. And there's a lot of fighters on this card that I don't love at that price range. But the problem is Malcolm Gordon's chin is just always prime to get cracked, which is it, that 9100 is like such a tricky one because I don't think he's necessarily worth it. But, you know, one punch. Could end yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't really have to be a punch either, right? It could be a ground and pound elbow across the face, you know. So, you know, that $9,100 is kind of, you want to finish, really, for $9,100. And I don't know if he's going to be able to finish uh, Malcolm Gordon. So it, it's probably a play in like a multi-entry for sure, but I don't know, straight up cash game. Yeah, and I know the narrative is that Malcolm Gordon gets knocked out if you sneeze too hard. But th the reality is he's 13-5. and five. He's got a long career. He's fought a lot of good guys, and he's taken some damage. So, yes, he's been put out cold. His chin is not the best, but he's I've still... Never been, I just, I've never been knocked out. Okay. <laughs> we can change that. You keep running your mouth. 
You want 50 free bucks? Go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. Sign up with any one of our partners. Make a deposit. Let me know after you do. And I'll send you 50 bucks as a thank you for supporting us and our partners. Next up, at UFC Vegas 47, we have Philip Rowe versus Jason Witt. Jason Witt is 19-7 and overall. He's 2-3 and three in his last five. But he is coming off a win over Brian Barberena. Philip Rowe is eight and three overall. Little little topsy turvy in his last five. Jason Witt is a wrestler. He's a grinder. He's a wrestler. There's absolutely no secrets to what his game plan is. He's only looking for takedowns and submissions. He has no intention of engaging in a kickboxing match, and that's fine because his stand-up is just okay. His chin has been questioned in the past. This is almost similar to the Malcolm Gordon fight we just broke down. You get nervous with Jason Witt out there. With that being said, he is pretty dominant, especially when he gets on top. And I'm saying when he gets on top because it's almost a guarantee he's going to get a takedown in this fight and almost every fight he's in. He averages more than six takedowns per 15 minutes of fighting. So it's it's essentially inevitable. He has great control and pressure, which he uses to pound away. He's not going to hunt for a submission, but if you squirm to avoid some of those punches, he will sneak something in and try to, you know, capitalize on that scramble. Philip Rowe is tremendous for this division. You can see that he's got a five-inch height advantage, a 10-inch reach advantage, and he's one of the very few people that actually uses his reach well when he's striking. I always talk about people who will just pull up topology and say, oh, Joey's got a half an inch reach advantage, so Joey's going to win. That's nonsense. That's crap. Most fighters don't use their range well. Philip Rowe is one of those people, however, that does use his range well. His ground game is fantastic, but he doesn't really have any wrestling to get it there. Rowe's the favorite here. Minus 140 to plus 120. I understand why he's the favorite. Right? He's a good striker. He's probably got the better jujitsu. Jason Witt's got a suspect chin. But the reality is, you know, I've seen Rowe struggle to get out from underneath people. We've seen him get taken down in the past. We've seen him have a hard time getting back up. And I think Witt's submission defense is solid enough where he can hang out on top without getting submitted. The big question mark is the striking, right? Can he hang long enough to get past that reach, get a takedown? I think he can. I like Jason Witt to win a boring decision. I've already put a money line bet on him. I did one full unit on Jason Witt. I will be tense as hell the entire fight, just biting my nails every time he gets hit because his chin his chin worries me. But I like Jason Witt to win this fight and Philip Rowe to struggle getting off his back. What do you think, Jakey boy? Uh, shockingly, I am on your side in this. I, I like Jason Witt as well. And I think that Orion... And- uh, fight for Philip Rowe showed everything you need to see on both sides because Philip Rowe was winning striking exchanges and for some reason just kept going to the clinch. His fight IQ was just even. The, I think he started the second round by like winning a striking exchange, went to the clinch, and even the announcer was like, "What? What is he doing right now? Like, use your range. You, what? Orion is going to out wrestle you." And sure enough, he ended on his back and he stayed on his back. And there was even a time where he just did a uh, he did a body lock off his back where that's just like a stalling. Th- it's like, what are you doing? You're not even at that point. You're not even trying at all. To get back to your feet. And if Jason Witt, you, you mentioned, if he's on top, uh, he's going to stay there, especially against a guy like uh, Philip Rowe. So if you're Jason Witt, Philip Rowe isn't like a first round knockout guy, but you see him kind of fade as the fight goes on. You saw that in the Ryan fight, especially when he's getting wrestled. He kind of gets a little bit sloppy and his takedown defense in his striking. So if you're Jason Witt, 
Take your time. Get through the first round. Keep your hands up. He's going to try and use that range. Block those big shots like Angelo mentioned. Can protect that chin and then start going for the takedowns. And those will get a lot easier in the second round. You'll get him to the ground. You'll dominate this fight. So I, I agree. I like Jason Witt in this fight. Keep your hands up in the first round. Get those takedowns. Do exactly what Orion did. Uh, and I think you can probably finish him in uh, late second or even in the third round. I can see Jason Witt getting a, getting a TKO finish. Just ground and pound with Philip Rowe exhausted on his back. So I'm, I'm unfortunately... And we're with you 100%. Yeah, and some doofus in the live chat is complaining that we're not mentioning James Krause and the coaches. That's not a factor here. That's not a factor here because game planning doesn't matter in this fight. So I will talk about Sanford MMA in a few fights from now because the game plan matters. There's no game plan. Jason Witt needs to get it to the ground. Philip Rowe needs to keep it standing. It's literally that simple. There is no mastermind. There's no whiteboard with play... It is that simple. Philip Rowe needs to keep it on his feet. Jason Wheat needs to get it to the ground. Literally that simple. The odds, I wish I would have gotten better line on Jason Wick because I do like him in the underdog spot. Obviously, he can get knocked out. That's that's not great. His chin is, is worrisome, but the wrestling should get it done. I love him for $7,800. I assume you agree. Or you still you're so worried about... The knockout that you're not going to takedowns are worth five points. He should score well and control time. Yeah, but this is this is a situation where it could be one takedown around if it, if it even goes to the third round because I think once he but gets then the control takedown, time he's, racks up. I know, but you get more for if so. It's it's almost like you are rewarded more when someone is against a better opponent, right? Because they can get back to the feet and then you take them back down. And, you get, and those course. add up really quickly. So I honestly think Jason Witt every time he takes him down, Philip Rose is not going to get back to his feet. So. It's kind of an interesting play in that right. Uh, whether you think he can get the finish, you know, and then that chin. So seventy hundred dollars is is. I wish he was more like a seventy five. I'd feel a little bit better. Yeah, listen, I I uh, I like him at seventy eight hundred bucks. Monkey knife fight. The line is interesting. It's probably a more and more because I do think it's a decision. I think Philip Rowe, especially, keep in mind it is every single strike. That's not significant strikes. Every single strike counts toward that line. Jason Witt's going to do some cage wrestling, try to work his way to the legs, and Philip Rowe's going to do a lot of these little tiny hammer fist pepper shots. Those all count, so I think more and more is the play here as well with Monkey Knife Fight. You agree? I'll do it. More and more. There we go. Raise the roof. We want picks.com slash MKF. I'm telling you, dip your toes in the Monkey Knife Fight water. It is fantasy. It's an app on your phone. Nothing sketchy about it. It's a ton of fun. It's every single sport. We're obviously only breaking down UFC. We want picks.com slash MKF. And if you want that $53 that I always talk about, we want picks.com slash bets. Sign up with any one of our five betting partners. Make a deposit. Let me know. I'll send you 50 bucks. Next up at UFC Vegas 47, we have another fighter making his official UFC debut. We have Jalton Almeida versus Danilo Marquez. Jalton Almeida 14 and 2 overall. He is 5 and 0 riding a 9 fight stoppage streak. Danilo Marquez 11 and 3 overall. He's 4 and 1 in his last 5 and he's coming off of that loss to Kennedy and Chukwu, which was a pretty frustrating loss honestly. Uh, and Danilo Marquez is a solid grappler. He's got lots of takedowns, plenty of control. He does have technical boxing, but there isn't much power in his strikes, and his path to victory is always the grappling. If you watch that loss to Kennedy and Chuck Wu, he was okay in the striking exchanges early. He absolutely dominated the grappling. He literally backpacked 
um, Kennedy and Chuck Wu for a good amount of time. And he was riding himself. He was absolutely going to get a decision win. And then he got a little too comfortable with the striking late in the third round and then crack. And then that was the end of that. So unfortunately for Danilo, he just didn't play it safe the entire fight. Took some chances and it did not pay off. Uh, Jalton Almeida is the real deal. He's a great prospect. He has powerful hands. He actually considers himself, if you watch his interview before his Contender Series fight, he considers himself a striker. But the reality is, anybody that watches his tape and breaks down his fights, he's a grappler. He's absolutely a grappler, but he just loves striking so much. He considers himself a striker. He wants to be a striker. All of his wins are by stoppage, and that's because he is like a dog with a bone. He will not stop. He comes in hot. He relentlessly works for takedowns. And once he's on the ground, he will chase submissions. He'll hit you in the transitions if you start squirming, and he will try to snatch something up. The problem is... He can get a little too excited, a little overzealous. He can chase submissions when they're not there. And all of a sudden, he'll get swept. He'll give up a dominant position, end up on his back. And, you know, now he's he's on the wrong side of a grappling exchange that he was in complete control of. So he's the definition of submission over position. And, you know, the UFC is giving Jalton Almeida Danilo Marquez because they think he's going to blow through Danilo. They think he's going to, you know, put on a show and they need some fresh blood in the light heavyweight division. You know, I think most of that is true. I think he could absolutely do that. The problem here, I don't think, first of all, minus 400 is obscene. That's obscene. It's his official UFC debut. Danilo Marquez has proven to be a tough, crafty guy at this point. I think Jalton Almeida wins this fight, but with that being said, I would be very, very careful. I do not think Jalton Almeida is a parlay piece because Danilo Marquez has very solid grappling. Jalton Almeida could take some chances, work for, you know, one of those submissions in a scramble, miss it, and all of a sudden he's on his back and Danilo's good enough to catch him, do something with it, or even just ride out the rest of that round and win that round. So Jalton Almeida is the pick, but I may do a plus three and a half bet on Danilo Marquez, but I have already, I have already placed an over one and a half round bet. I got that at minus 110. I do not see an early stoppage here. I think Danilo Marquez covers, stays controlled, doesn't get clipped, works his takedowns, and survives a round and a half. I already placed that bet. Jakey Boyd, the, the expressions, I, I what? What? What do you think? I, want, you I just want you to explain that the dog with the bone. Can you explain that again? What? 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 You just kind of slipped that in there, and I was like, Wait, "What? What did you You've say?" You've never heard that expression before, like a, a dog, dog with a bone. With a bone, is that like You've a, never heard that expression. It's an expression. A dog with meaning, bone is like a content dog, not like a ink. Like a no, that's not dog. what the expression. Did, what country did you did you Midwest? I don't know. So if you guys are in the chat and you're from the Midwest, and I'm sorry for all like the Midwest you, no, you comments. No, you said it like he's like, like aggressive, like a dog with a bone. A dog a with a dog bone. With like a dog with a bone. That's what it out. means. Like like they will, will relentlessly hunt for that bone, find that bone, chew on that bone. So he's a dog looking for a bone. No, they never give up. The, this is the dumbest. Anybody in the live chat, let Jacob know what a dog with a bone, what that expression means. It's a legitimate when I give my When I give expression. my dog a bone, they just lay there and they're hanging out. If you're okay. looking for Can the bone, Can you do me a favor? It, so. Can you just give us your pick for Christ's sake? Yeah, so I actually want to mention one thing because um, Danilo was in like a grappling, one of those uh, underground grappling tournaments that uh, Chael Sonnen was announcing. And Chael Sonnen said that this dude has over 110 boxing matches on his record. 100. 
and 10. And also that he spent nine years as a brown belt. They wouldn't give him his black belt for some reason. Nine years Who, as a Danilo? brown belt. I don't, yeah. I don't, so I don't know if that's normal or whatever. Chael just does and Chael some some things that you have, you have no idea if he's being honest or not. So that's just what he said. But, you know, I, I see this fight going the same way. I, I think Almeida should kind of dominate that fight. You, you mentioned that he thinks he's a striker. I saw a, a direct quote for him saying that he is similar to Khabib. He wants to get people on the ground, ground and pound them. So he's a little hypocritical in that situation. But uh, I, I, but I agree. He's a grappler. He gets people to the ground and he punches them while he's on the ground. The issue in this fight is I think Danilo has the experience. He has 110 boxing matches. Um <laughs> I think he needs to win the scrambles, but I think he needs to take his time. I think he just needs to take his time. Get that high guard, defend the takedowns, win the scrambles early when you can. Get back to your feet because Almeida, you know, all those muscles. Look at the guy. The guy's built. He's jacked. He's seen the third round once in his career, and he lost that fight. It was a decision loss. He went to the third round. He lost. The longer this fight drags on, I agree. You can find Almeida in some peculiar did I nail that? Peculiar? Yeah, okay. Yeah, dog with a bone. You can't even say peculiar. Peculiar situations uh, with Danilo. So I agree these odds are a little bit wide. Danilo could find himself in some trouble early on the ground, but the longer this fight goes, it's going to favor Danilo. So my pick's going to be Almeida. He should win, but I agree. Danilo is a little bit, uh, a little bit live in this. And here is what a dog with a bone means for anybody that somehow – Went their entire life not understanding that expression. Yeah, so I think we're... I forgot to show the stats here. I, I think we're aligned. I think Almeida wins. But Danilo Marquez is very, very live in this fight. I think the odds are absolutely insane, ridiculous. I'm not confident enough to bet on Danilo right now. But honestly, I'd be stupid not to just throw a quarter of a unit on it, right? With that kind of plus money. But, um, you know... I, I like Danilo to survive, so I was comfortable placing the over one and a half round bet. Maybe I'll do a, a plus three and a half bet. If you don't know what that is, you buy a single round on the judges' scorecard. So all I would need is Danilo Marquez to actually win a round in the fight. Then I bought a round on the scorecards with the bookie, and then I'll get paid. So I may do that. The problem is I think the bookies are onto it, and I don't think the odds are good enough for me to do that. But if you want that bet on this fight or any other, we want picks.com slash bets. We have five partners. Bet online is the partner that offers that safety net bet. If you do it, sign up, make a deposit. Let me know. I'll send you 50 bucks. Let's go back to the fantasy stuff here. I don't like Almeida at $9,400. There's just, it's another UFC debut. It's a little too much to, it's, it could potentially be too much too soon, or he can come out here like what's-his-name did two weeks ago, the Ecuadorian national champion, just blow people, Trevor Giles' brakes off. That could happen. I don't see that, though. But are you going to spend the $9,400? I'll tell you what. I just found the bet of the century. I live bet the Bengals to beat the Chiefs at plus 1,200. This bet, Danilo Marquez, round three submission, plus 2,200. I think that's an interesting one to look at because I think Almeida could get tired if Danilo makes it there. He could lose a scramble if he's ever going to get submitted. Um, I think Danilo could do it in the third round. That's a, worth a flyer. A quarter unit, half a unit flyer, plus $2,200. I'm going to play that. Um, what was your question? DraftKings, Draft you're going to spend $9,400 on no. Almeida? No. Yeah, no. me neither. Uh, and he honestly would be probably pretty high-owned because there's a lot of people see the record, see the stoppages, and be like, oh, wow, and then bang, grab him. Um Monkey Knife Fight, I think this is another more-more. I, I also, obviously, I like the over on rounds. So 30 punches or 30 strikes to 47, I think that could happen. I like the more-more with Monkey Knife Fight as well. Do you think it's an early stoppage here? You were making faces when I said I did the more. 
Huh? No, I, was, I think I was like, I just got a drink. I was like doing this with my lips okay. or something. You were trying to figure I, out what I, a dog with the bone means. Okay. Yeah, I'm Googling it. I, I got a YouTube video I'm listening to right now. They're explaining it. It's a 12-minute video. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I think it's the over-over as well. The reason why it's so low is because people think there's going to be an early stoppage with the high favorite. Um, I agree. I think Danilo's tough. He's going to be a stay in there. So I think it's another more and more play. And Danilo's smart. I mean, the knock on him in the past is that he's boring because he's smart. He knows what he is and what he isn't. So, um, yeah, I'm not going as far as picking Danilo Marquez to win, but I'm certainly not jumping on the Jelton Almeida hype train just yet. Next up, at UFC Vegas 47, we have Alexis Davis versus Julia Stolarienko. Julia Stolarienko is 9-5 and five overall. She's 3-2 and two in her last five, coming off two losses in a row. Alexis Davis is 20-11. and 11. Only two and three in her last five. And this is just an absolute battle of the bantamweights, I guess, right? I think whoever loses this fight is likely cut. Alexis Davis is a busy striker. She lands almost five significant strikes per minute. And unfortunately for her, she is hit just as often. She does a nice job of throwing in combinations and mixing up leg kicks. Historically, Alexis loses to the top women in the world but beats pretty much everybody else. Her recent losses are Penny Kanzad, top 10 in the world. Viviana Rujo, top 10 in the world. Jennifer Maya, top 10 in the world. Caitlin Chikagian, top 10 in the world. Every single one of them. That's who she loses to. And if you go through her wins, it's anybody outside of that top 10. And Julia Storlyrenko uh, is outside. And what? she beat Amanda Nunes. Like a hundred and fifty-five years ago. Oh yeah, well, I mean that she's that's a pretty good that's a pretty good win. I mean, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, Julia Stolier, this is what have you done for me lately, sport? Julia right. Stolierenko is one of those fighters that has fantastic jujitsu and no takedowns whatsoever, and it is so frustrating. I hate that style. Like you just spend the whole time in the gym working your jujitsu, and you never start on your feet. You never work your takedowns. She only has a 12% takedown accuracy. She is one for eight in takedown attempts in her entire UFC career. She does have a ton of submissions. Well, uh, submission wins though. They're mostly off her back because a, she can't get it to the ground on her own to be on top. And B, she does have good jujitsu off of her back. It's very solid. She's super long. She uses it well. Her striking is a bit sloppy, and she's definitely very hittable. She has a negative striking differential of three to two, which means she is hit three times for every two times that she hits her opponents. But she is willing to brawl, and she's got heavy kicks. And this is where a vet play is solid. I, I like Alexis Davis here. I like her to use her experience. I like her to use her fight IQ. I think she's going to grind out a pretty one-sided win. If it ends up on the ground, which I don't necessarily know if it will, because, you know, Alexis, I don't think needs to get it to the ground. But if it does end up on the ground, I think Alexis Davis can avoid the submissions, work on top, ride out a decision. The only thing that worries me here is uh, Stolyrenko's willingness to bang. She's got heavy kicks. Alexis Davis is 38. She's starting to show her age. She's starting to slow down. But she is a crafty vet that beats the top women in the world. Or sorry, loses the top women in the world, beats everybody else. And unfortunately for Julia, she is in the everybody else category. Jakey boy, what do you think? You going with the vet? 
Yeah, so I, I've, I've mentioned before, and I think some other people mentioned it, that the Julia is kind of like the uh, Ronda 2.0 with all the arm bars, right? I mean, she won like four or five fights in a row, first round arm bars. She looked like she was just dominating everyone, give them to the ground, just break their arm. And unfortunately, she is Ronda 2.0, but she's Ronda like the last two fights of Ronda's career because she looks almost exactly like her, the way that, you know, Ronda was just getting absolutely touched up on the feet and just jab, jab, and didn't really look like she knew what she was doing on the feet, and then just started kind of lunging at people because she was just desperate, like, oh, I'm getting hit, but can't really get the takedowns. Obviously, Ronda could get the takedowns, the judo throws, that's what she was known for, uh, where Storlyrenko, you mentioned she can't really get those takedowns, and I think this fight goes the exact same way. I think if Stolyarenko is able to end up on top, maybe there's a scramble and she can end up top. I think she can win this fight, and she probably will maybe get one of those first-round uh, submissions. But Alexis Davis is just so solid. She's been here. She knows what she's doing. She knows how to get the takedowns and keep position. I think Alexis Davis dominates this fight. I think she gets the takedowns and just controls the entire fight. I think it's boring. But that is a question mark. Whoever ends up on top is going to win this fight. I just think Alexis Davis has the experience and has the abilities to to get the takedowns, offense takedowns, and to end up on top. And and it's too crafty and too savvy to uh, worry about all the the crazy arm bars that that Julia's going to try to throw up. So uh, Alexis Davis all the way. I, I don't think I'm going to put her in, her in my lineup or anything. <laughs> I, 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 what was that? Yeah, yeah. I have a speech impediment. If you if that's something that you feel comfortable <laughs> making fun of, then that's fine in front of everyone. We're, now we're canceled, but it's fine. Uh, uh, yeah, but Alexis Davis all the way. Yeah, I uh, I disagree a little bit. Where I don't think um, if it ends if Alexis Davis ends up on top, I think she'll survive. But I don't think she needs to. I don't think this comes down to whoever's on top wins because I think she can win a striking fight. And Monkey Knife Fight thinks the same thing, right? A hundred and eight total strikes to sixty. So Monkey Knife Fight is almost going two to one strikes Alexis Davis to Julia. I I hate touching anything over 100. So I don't know what I'm going to do with the Monkey Knife Fight line. Frankly, I, I probably won't play it. You don't need to force everything. And the odds, I just wish Alexis Davis was like a minus 150. Because I would jump on that. Minus 225 is like, in my opinion, almost a guaranteed win. Which, you know, the reality is Julia is nasty at grappling and could put... Or, potentially catch her in something. What do you think of those odds? And are you going to have Alexis in your DraftKings lineup? And also, Julia, there was a... There was questions about her health-wise making this weight because she was the person that fainted on the scale twice and got pulled out by a stretcher. I actually just watched an interview where yeah. she talked about she just made weight too early. She just was on weight but made it too early and just tried to withstand that weight the entire day, and it's just not good for you to be that low. So that's what happened in that situation. Um, you know, Monkey Knife Fight, that's a less-less play to me. I, I think Alexis can dominate with the wrestling. I think that's what she's comfortable doing, and I think that's what she does, and I think she just controls her on the ground. Yeah, I'll probably spend the 8,700 in DraftKings because there's a lot of 9,000 plus that have too many question marks. And uh, Alexis Davis, there's no question marks. She's a true vet. She's proved herself 100 times over. If she lands 108 strikes, that'll add up. If she gets some takedowns, that'll, takedowns, that'll add up. And even if she doesn't get takedowns, she will hold against the cage, rack up some time that way. So I like Alexis Davis to win. I like Alexis Davis at $8,700 in DraftKings. I am not going to touch the monkey knife fight, but if you want to touch 50 free dollars, go to wewantpicks.com slash bets, sign up with any one of our five betting partners, make a deposit, let me know, and I will send you 50 bucks as a thank you for supporting us and our partners. Next up at UFC Vegas 47, we have Marc-Andre Barolt versus Chidi Injikawani. Mark Andre Barolt is 13 and 4 overall. He's 2 2 and 1 
in his last five. Chidi Injikawani is 20 and 7 overall. He's 3 and 2 in his last five. He's coming off a solid contender series win. Mark Andre is a pretty well rounded fighter with solid kickboxing and takedowns. If you decide to brawl with him, though, he's happy to get sucked into a brawl. It just watch his fight against a Zaitar. Uh, he slugged it out there, no problem. His jujitsu is solid, but his takedowns could use a little bit of work. Uh, Marc Andre is typically looking to pressure forward and wear you down on your feet. Chidi Injikawani is a very good striker with speed, power, solid distance control. He's not a high volume guy, but he sticks and moves really well. His feet are never in the same place for very long, and people have a really hard time getting to him. If you're able to get inside the reach and work your way to his legs, you can have some solid success with takedowns and grappling. Jacob, don't pound your keyboard so aggressively. That's all I hear in my ears right now. I would list this as a striker what are you talking about? You were just typing furiously. Yeah, you're like hearing things, man. This is, this is embarrassing. Anyway, yes. I would consider this a striker versus striker matchup. Um, but it's a little more than that because Marc-Andre can actually grapple. And that is absolutely his victory, path to victory here. Because if he chases Chidi and runs him down and tries to knock him out on his feet, it is very possible that Chidi can catch him on the way in. And I understand Marc-Andre hasn't been knocked out in his career yet. But Chidi and Jokowani's counter-striking is freaking fantastic. And he does such an amazing job where he will stay in the pocket, just make tiny adjustments and then fire from there, and he cracks people. He's so good at that. But we have seen him get taken down, held down, beat up on the ground. I, I'm not going to say a fish out of water. That's a bit dramatic. But I've seen him have issues on the ground. So that's Marc-Andre's path to victory here. I like Marc-Andre to win. I threw a money line bet on him. I got him at minus 120 because that path is so clear. I mean, it's just such a clear path to victory. Get a takedown work from there. If you go back and watch Chidi's losses, that was the story of most of those losses. What do you think, Jakey boy? You know, Chidi, his nickname is Chidi Chidi Bang Bang, or Chidi Bang Bang, and let me just say that that movie is like one of the scariest movies of all time. There's two movies I refuse to watch. It's Chidi Chidi Bang Bang to this day and Wizard of Oz. I can't do either one. Have you seen Chidi Chidi Bang Bang? I've never even heard of it. Are you serious? The When they go with the car, it never goes in the water? Never heard of it. Well, I wouldn't recommend watching it. It's the creepiest movie in the world. But <laughs> anyway, I, I think this fight is very, very simple. If this is a nice, clean, open fight where Chitty can use his length, he's going to dominate. He's probably going to knock him out. He's going to do what he does. But if this turns into a brawl where he gets those body locks, he gets him to the ground, then it's over and Mark Andre's going to win. So I, I think this is going to be clear cut. You're going to be able to see very early who is going to win this fight. This could be a live odd situation. I think the odds are perfect in this fight. I think it is an even fight because we don't know exactly what's going to happen. The thing for Mark Andre, if you're Mark Andre, a lot of times when he's getting pressured, he shells up high and he backs up, right? He's got a nice high guard, which is good. In this situation, I think he needs to use that high guard to get inside of Chidi, right? A lot of times he uses it defensively. I think he needs to put up that high guard, get in close to Chidi, and turn this into a brawl, get him to the ground, and use that that way. So, what are you laughing at? We're going to get flagged for all the curses when you're saying, instead of saying Chidi, like you're really... I'm saying Chidi. You're, you're, yeah, exactly. Yeah, his name's Chidi Bang Bang. His name's Chidi. Okay. I don't know what you me do. I mean, right, his nickname going. is Lou. Bing Bing. So anyway, so I agree with you. I think the path to victory for Mark Andre is there. Um, but I just think with Chitty, Chitty, 
um, with his length, I think he's going to be able to dictate the pace in this fight. And I, th- I think he's going to, he's a play in this fight. Um, you know, so I, I, I don't disagree with you when you see that path, but I think he, he dictates the range a little bit better than you think. And he's able to, uh, control this fight. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting. I mean, I, I ended up taking the dive, putting the money line bet on Mark Andre, literally because there's a very, in my opinion, a very clear path to victory. It's not the striking and Chidi does have some solid takedown defense at 78%. And if you watch some of his non-UFC fights, he does have solid takedown defense. But I do think that Marc-Andre is well-rounded enough to hang on the feet and get some takedowns. Because I think where he'll get in trouble on the feet is if he chases Chidi. If he chases and he comes charging in, that's when he'll get caught. That's when the counter-striking will be an issue. If he's taking his time and doesn't get sucked into a brawl, I think he'll be okay. So I like Mark Andre. I mean, this is essentially a pick him across the board. The only reason I decided to bet on him was because there's a very clear path. And I'm all about what's the path. And there is a clear path there. DraftKings, you going to play either one of these guys? Uh, 8,000. That's a, I think that's a pretty good price point for a shitty because I, I, I agree with a lot of people in this chat right now that I, I, I think Mark Andre can grapple. I don't think it's as good as, as you, you're kind of letting on here. I don't think he's going to be able to get in there and just get a takedown and just control him on the ground. So, you know, $8,000, I, I think Chitty with his length and, and his power, I think this is an interesting play on, on for 8000 So I might play it on, on that side, which sounds like yeah, you're probably going to play it on the other side. Uh, I will probably play Marc-Andre and DraftKings. I think they're both priced well, but I would... I would say if you're on the cheaty side, which you are, I don't know how well he scores because he's not. I don't think he's going to knock out Mark Andre. He's never been knocked out before. He's fought some phenomenal strikers. He just beat a phenomenal striker. I, so I don't necessarily think he's going to get knocked out. And Cheaty's not going to get his own takedowns. So the fight's going to be him defending takedowns, landing some strikes. I don't know how well he's going to score. Even with a win, that could be a 65-point win. Monkey Knife fight's interesting because uh, I, I think... Man, this likely goes three rounds. So it's 89 is so high. I would do less more here because 89 is a lot of strikes. I like less more for Monkey Knife Fight. What do you think? Uh, I think you're going to be surprised with Chitty's power. And I mentioned that high guard. A lot of times when you rely on that high guard instead of movement, people can punch right through that guard. They can uppercut through that guard. I, I think Chitty is able to get in his face and, and get through that guard. And I think he, he finished him. Chitty's got a 60%, 60% of his wins are, are finishes, are, are, are TKOs, KOs. So it's actually more likely if he wins that he is going to knock him out. So I like Chitty all the I, way. So I like the less, less probably. I hear you, but like he just beat Mark Andre, just beat Dalcha Lungambula. You hear Lungambula. me, but you're not really listening. You know, he just beat Dalcha Lungambula, who has just as much power as Chidi and is just as dangerous. And that wasn't a problem in that fight. So we're split on this one. We both think it's a pretty close fight, but you we are bet? split. Yeah, I'll bet you. Okay. Okay. How much? You tell me. What do you come from with? Right, let's do the hundred we've been doing on these stupid bets. What was that? That's what I thought, that? and everybody, everybody got a live look. I'm looking at my bank. I'm, I'm, I'm on bank account. Okay. I gotta see. I gotta transfer if some funds. If you want to place some bets, what's and Bitcoin you at? Want, and you want fifty free dollars? Go to wewantpicks.com/bets. Sign up with any one of our five betting partners. Make a deposit. Let me know after you do, and I'll send you fifty bucks as a thank you. And that's at wewantpicks.com/bets. Next up. At UFC Vegas 47, 
We have Hakeem Dawadu versus Mike Trezano. Hakeem Dawadu is 12 and 2 overall. He's 4 and 1 in his last five, coming off a decision loss to Mazlar Evloyev. Mike Trezano, 9 and 1 overall. He's 4 and 1 in his last five, and he's coming off a solid win over Ludovic Klein. Hakeem Dawadu is a high level striker. He throws everything with power. He sets nice forward pressure pace, but he still manages to have excellent counter punches while plotting forward. He'll walk forward throwing leg kicks and straights, and as soon as you fire something back, he will just dip his head and then return. He's technically very, very sound. He's incredible as far as this technique is concerned. He has very real power. Mike Trezano is the second Ultimate Fighter winner on this card. He's a fun forward pressure striker with some real power and lots of energy. He came off a two-year layoff last year to beat Ludovic Klein in a pretty big upset. I mean, he was, I don't remember what the odds were, but he was a very big underdog and he beat Ludovic Klein in that fight. And what was interesting is it was a close fight, but Trezano was actually taken down a few times and he was able to steal the fight later with just a rally, some power strikes, um, and is just calculated striking. And he is a calculated striker. He does a really good job of mixing in the power and the speed. He can put his foot on and off the gas pedal as he needs. And the most impressive thing about that Ludovic fight is that he went on the stool in between rounds and he said, I need to pick it up. His coach didn't tell him that. He said it. I need to pick it up. And then he went out there the third round, picked it up, and that's what won him the fight was what he poured on in that third round. Mike Trezano's a pretty impressive guy. Uh, this should be a really fun fight. We have two heavy-handed strikers that should deliver. I think Dawadu is the more powerful striker. I think he's the more technical striker as well. But Mike sets a real hard pace, and he doesn't gas. These odds are pretty reminiscent of Mike Trezano's last fight where he pulled that off. <sighs> Man, it's it's just so tricky to make this pick because I have Hakeem Dawadu as my pick. But I think Mike Trezano, just like his last fight, is a stupid live underdog. I went to go place a plus three and a half bet on him because I'm like, yeah, he could steal around. And the odds makers were onto it. The, the odds were not good. Um, not good enough to take them. What do you think, Jacob? So Hakeem Dawadu is my pick, but it's like it's like this. I think this fight should absolutely be a pick em, and these odds are a bit wide what do you think yeah Hakeem uh, three of his last four wins are split decision wins and I think it's for one reason only and that's because he does have the power but the guy really doesn't throw combinations it's just it's just jab jab and then he throws a straight and then a jab and then a big over and right he doesn't put things together he just doesn't have that he doesn't have that forward pressure you mentioned with Mike Trezano he he just kind of sits and sits and he does land some big punches but there's so situations where he has landed the bigger punch, but you know three or four split decisions. Those could easily be one judge away from being losses in, in all of those. Uh, and you're looking at a completely different fighter instead of 12 and two. Mike Trezano, I love that you mentioned the pace because that's what I love in this fight. I think there's going to be two things that dictate this fight because I think it's probably going to be a decision either way. It's going to be whose jab is going to be more effective because that's a big thing for judges because I think it's a lot of just jab work, especially for Makim, but Mike as well. It's going to be a lot of jab, jab, jab. Who's able to dictate the jab and with that jab who's able to to dictate the pressure whoever is on the back foot in this fight is going to lose the fight that's just the way it's going to be i don't think they're going to knock each other out but in the in the eyes of the judges it's going to be 
a lot of the same volume, a lot of the same uh, shots, but somebody's going to be backing up. And I think it's Mike Trezano that's going to be able to dictate the pace in this fight. He's proven that before. You've seen Hakeem kind of be able to take a backseat at time and wait and wait. Um, so I think this is going to go to a decision. I think Mike's going to do enough to get that decision. I, I like Mike, Mike Trezano in this fight. Man, I, I may flip my pick by the end of the week. because I was I, convincing. I, I know. I was convincing. I, <laughs> and I agree with everything you just said. And what's funny is while you were talking, I looked up the – because I remember I went to place the plus three and a half bet. I just looked it up. It's minus 190. So Mike Trezano goes from a plus 150 fighter in this matchup to minus 190, and all he has to do is win one round. And that's that's an interesting line because that means the odds makers are almost positive he's going to lose, but they're also positive he'll I mean, win. That's all, round, that's, I is, mean, it's all those split decision wins by Hakeem. Yeah. And Mike Trezano, two of his are, are split decisions. Well. So we have five split decision wins between both yeah. these guys, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, I, I listen, guys. Tune into our pre-fight live stream. We do those at 1 p.m. Central before the fights on Saturday. We do a final breakdown. We build a full card parlay with your picks, and if the parlay hits, all the money goes to the members of this channel. Tune in then because I may flip my pick to Mike Trezano between now and then. This is razor thin, in my opinion. I like you know. I mean, even if you look at the stats here. Both of them have solid striking differentials. Mike Trezano, I mean, the, the wrestling stats aren't that meaningful, but he did get a few takedowns. He's got solid takedown defense, but I think the whole thing's going to be dictated on their feet, and they're pretty evenly matched on their feet, honestly, especially if you factor in Mike Trezano's just forward pressure. Man, it's 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 a pick 'em. These odds are absolutely wild. If you want to take advantage of that and grab Mike Trezano at plus one fifty, absolutely do it. I don't know what I'm gonna do with DraftKings yet because I might change my pick. But what do you think of DraftKings? You, I mean, you must love seventy seven hundred bucks. No, because I, I think it's a boring decision. I, I think I mean it, it, I think he could win a decision, but that's not enough for to put him on my DraftKings. I want someone that I know for sure is going to win, and he could lose a decision. You've seen Hakeem win three split decisions, so he does something to get the judges' attention. So, um, and I think it goes to a, de a decision. So I think Mike pulls it out, but not enough to to put him in my DraftKings lineup. Yeah, and listen, Hakeem. Yeah, even, if, even if he wins, I think it's like 50, 60 points. I think it's like a few strikes around, and he gets a thirty points for the decision. Well, Davidu's my pick. He's still my pick for now. I may change that by the end of the week. We'll see. But right now, he's my pick. Um, I don't love these odds. I do think it's much closer than these odds. And the monkey knife fight, it may be a less more situation because, I, like you said, Davidu, he does have solid volume. But I think with Mike just pushing a pace, staying in his face, he may not be able to get off all the strikes that he's normally used to. So he may be held to under 80. And I see Mike could potentially get past 60. But uh, I don't know what to do with that monkey knife fight strike line. What do you think? I actually 100% agree with the with the less more. I think that off his back foot, Hakeem's going to be a lot of jabs, but not a lot of combos. I think Mike's able to get the combos off two or three punches at a time. And I think this is a less more play. Yeah, and if you want to play that, go to wewantpicks.com slash MKF. If you sign up with them, they will instantly match your deposit. And then all you have to do is play the strike lines and tell you what. You can use their free money. You deposit a hundred, they'll give you a hundred. Use the free hundred. Play these lines. If you win, you triple your money. If you lose, who cares? It was their money, not yours. We want picks.com slash MKF. And if you want 50 free bucks from us, go to we want picks.com slash bets. Sign up with any one of our betting partners. Make a deposit. Let me know, and I'll send you 50 bucks as a thank you.
Next up at UFC Vegas 47, we have Miles Johns versus John Sexy Mexi Castaneda. John Castaneda is 18 and 5 overall, 2 and 3 in his last five, coming off a win over Eddie Wineland. True vet, WEC legend. Miles Johns is 21 and 1 overall, 4 and 1 coming off two knockout wins in his last five and miles johns is a good strong grappler with heavy hands and explosive speed the wrestling is the core of everything he does and it used to be who he was as a fighter but he is coming off those two knockouts in a row and those aren't ground and pound tkos those are legitimate knockouts that he got John Sexy Mexi Castaneda. I'm saying sexy way too much in this breakdown. No, you're not. No, you're not. No, he's you're a not. really I fun. I love, I love that. He's a really fun come forward fighter. And breaking down his tape is funny. So, you know, to do all of this, I will initially write down my notes. Just what I have, my gut, my head. I'll write that down. Then I'll go watch tape, make changes, amend things, whatever. And then I'll put together my breakdown. And putting John Castaneda watching that tape is so funny because most of his fights were in Spanish promotions. So you will You're just You're going to take exactly what I said in our first breakdown of this guy. That's exactly what I was. I said in the first I don't breakdown. even remember a whole bunch your of Spanish. Bro- da, 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 sexy Mexi. Yeah, exactly. They just start. Sh- I, it's just a whole bunch of Spanish. You know what I'm saying? Sexy Mexi. I don't even remember you saying that. I just last week when yeah. I was watching the tape, that was that. You just. It's fun, you well, it's funny excited. that we, we sexy, saw. Sexy, we, sexy, we, sexy, we, sexy, yeah. sexy. It's funny that we saw the same thing, but yeah, that's it's hilarious. It's hilarious. You have to watch one of his fights and watch the whole thing because they love saying it. Yeah. So uh, anyway, he is a very well-rounded guy. He sets an incredible pace. He loves coming forward with fast hands. He shoots a lot of takedowns from there uh, when he has the opening. He does not have a ton of power, but he makes up for it with forward pressure and a wide variety of strikes. He will mix it up. This entire card is stacked with fun fights from fighters that really don't have a lot of name recognition. And this is another one. Miles Johns has a ton of power. His wrestling is solid. And that is matched with Castaneda's pressure and toughness. And this should be another one of those really fun fights. I do think that Johns gets it done. But I would like him to wrestle and not hang out on his feet. Because, I, you know, I mentioned Castaneda doesn't have a ton of power. But he can pull it off. He can stick and move. He can make things happen. And if Miles Johns fell in love with those two knockouts and now he thinks that's who he is as a fighter, he can end up winning or sorry, losing a striking decision. So I think Miles Johns absolutely needs to wrestle to get this done. Miles Johns is the pick. I don't think we'll be seeing the sexy Mexi Raptor impression, but you know, this is a really fun fight to watch. I was hoping that I would get a one and a half round line and just immediately smash them more because John Castaneda is just so freaking tough, but they set it at two and a half, and more on two and a half is even not great money. So, no bet for me here. I'm just going to be watching and enjoying. What do you think, Jakey? Did he did he do the Raptor thing? Because that's Rojo's thing. Did he do that when he beat Rojo? Because he beat Marcelo, Marcelo Rojo, and that's Marcelo Rojo's thing. So, if he did that, I might change my pick because that's super disrespectful to my <laughs> boy, Marcelo Rojo. But you mentioned Miles John, wrestler, Kansas, 5'8", stay champion. He's falling in love with the striking, and we've seen, and we've talked about in the past, these grapplers that fall in love with the striking. Listen, last week, lock of the week, Gennaro Valdez, I mentioned how he tough he was. Mexican tough. Viva Mexico. 
And my God, did he show I this this is one of those things where a lot of times it's like I'm not mad, I'm disappointed. I'm not mad, I'm not disappointed because that dude got dropped five times and was still fighting the toughest dude I've ever I've ever seen in my life. We're chalking that up as a win last week, Lock of the Week, Gennaro Valdez. And we're sticking with our Mexican brothers, Lock of the Week, Sexy Mexi, John Castaneda for Lock of the Week. Because I agree, Miles Johns, he's going to start striking with this kid. And this dude is insane. We'll throw wild combos. And he will knock Miles Johns out in this matchup. He is the Lock of the Week. I love him. In this matchup, um, he will take one to give one, and that's not a guy that Miles Johns wants to get in exchange with. Uh, I, I love John Chesson out on this. I think he gets a knockout. I actually put two unit bet on him inside the distance decisional action because if Miles Johns comes in and starts grappling again, he could easily lose the decision. But if he starts striking, I think Miles Johns gets knocked out. Two units inside the distance decisional action. Uh, I think that was like minus one thirty or something like that. So that's my that's my bet, but. Viva Mexico. We're going with sexy Mexi, baby. Lock of the week. Yeah, I'm looking at that bet right now. That's not a that's not a bad plus one thirty. Plus one thirty. I look at it. I put two units it's, on it. It's plus money. I may jump on that as well. Plus so one thirty inside the distance. Decision no action for uh, sexy Mexi. It is plus one thirty. So yeah, I may jump on that as well because he's so tough. I don't see him getting finished. And if you don't know what and that bet the, is, yeah, let me explain it real quick. If you don't yeah, know what ahead. that bet is, that basically means if John Castaneda wins by stoppage, Jacob gets paid because Johnny Axonado won by stoppage. If he loses a decision, doesn't matter. If he is beat within an inch of his life but loses a decision, Jacob gets a refund. The bet never happened. Gets his money back. Hands are clean. Didn't lose a dollar. That's a solid bet in a spot like this because John Castaneda is a dangerous guy, tough guy, sets a good pace, doesn't really have any power, but he sets a really tough pace, and he's stupid tough. So he will likely survive, likely make it to a decision, but there is a potential he can get a get a stoppage win here. So that's a solid bet. I may jump on that late. The problem is Miles Johns is also really tough, but he is, I guess he is he really just tough. get a refund. And, and, and here's one of the things I, I forgot to mention as well, is he basically won his last fight uh, against Anderson Dos Santos with leg kicks. He just absolutely destroyed his legs. If he comes in and tries to do that same thing and throw some blind leg kicks, we've seen it so many times in the past where these these guys come in and just throw blind leg kicks because they're not used to it, but they had success with it. They throw it blind and overhand right, overhand left, whatever, comes over the top and knocks him out. I think he's going to find himself in some some big trouble this fight uh, against my my Mexican brother. Well, it'll be interesting. I think John Castaneda is probably a solid play at 7300 bucks if you're on that side. I mean, he's a bargain. So... Lock did you make him? Sure. Is he your? Yeah, he's your lock of the week. Yeah, um, plus one ninety five. Did you bet a money line? That's solid. And this if will you be. Think he's going to win. That's solid. Uh, I didn't play the money line because I'm worried about the. Gra- I think he can easily, not easily, but I think he can get out grapple. Miles Johns a very good grappler. It's just I just don't think that Miles Johns going to. That's why I kind of hedge my bet in that right. But lock of the week. If I hit this, this is uh, six of seven. If you count last week as a loss, otherwise it's seven in a row, which I think it is seven in a row. A lot yeah. of heart last week. And I think this is a very easy more, more in monkey knife fight. I think they go at it. I think it's three full rounds. And even if Miles Johns grapples, John Castaneda is going to throw, throw wild and try to get off whatever he can. Uh, So I like more and more in monkey knife fight. Those lines move. So if you're watching this live right now, pull up monkey knife fight in another tab or pull up the app, place that now because that will move tomorrow we want picks.com slash MKF. Sign up, make a deposit. They'll instantly match that deposit. Use the free money. 
Play the game, use the free money. It's super fun, super easy. It's an app on your phone. If you want 50 free bucks, wewantpicks.com slash MKF. Sign up with any one of our five betting partners. Make a deposit. Let me know after you do, and we'll send you 50 bucks. This should be a fun, fun fight for all of us. And speaking of fun fights, next up at UFC Vegas 47, we have Julian Erosa taking on Steven Peterson. Julian Erosa, 25-9 and nine overall. He's 4-1 in his last five. Coming off a late submission win over Charles Jourdain. Steven Peterson is 19-9 overall. 3-2 in his last five. And he's coming off that solid win over Chase Hooper. Julian Erosa is an incredibly fun guy to watch. I have said this so many times talking about him. But he is a fun, violent striker with a ton of finishes. He throws everything with intent. And even if he is hittable, which he is. It's basically fine because so far his chin has held up and it's solid enough for him to get into those nasty, grisly firefights. He has had most of his success fighting at range, but he will get sucked into a firefight. You know, if you if you let him and you want him in there, he will get in there and fight you close inside the pocket in a dirty, dirty brawl. He has solid MMA jujitsu. If he needs it, uh, we saw that against Charles Jourdain, but it's not something he looks forward to. It's He's not really grinding out takedowns just to get those submission wins. His takedowns are usually there for damage, and the jiu-jitsu is opportunistic jiu-jitsu. He has it if he needs it, and I say MMA jiu-jitsu because that's what it is. It's MMA jiu-jitsu. He sets it up with strikes, and he'll stick to you know rear naked chokes, things like that to pull it off. Steven Peterson is a really tough guy. He likes to strike. He showcased his submission defense against Chase Hooper in that last fight and his willingness to take risks. He had no problem taking Chase Hooper down, staying in his face, and making that an ugly fight when everybody thought that he would be terrified to go to the ground with somebody like Chase Hooper. When I broke down Steven Peterson for that Chase Hooper fight months ago, I said the way that you will beat him is to point strike and get him with volume. And that's exactly where Erosa shines. He can point strike and win with volume. I will say Erosa has had some trouble with, you know, a pressure fighting style similar to Steven Peterson's. Um, But I'd still like Erosa to push his own pace, him be on his front foot, not get put on his back foot, and stay in Peterson's face and get it done. I think it'll be an ugly brawl, meaning like fun for us, fun to watch. But I do think it'll be dirty. uh, Technicality will go out the window. And I think we're going to see one of them dip into their pocket, try to pull out some wrestling. I think Peterson may have some success with the wrestling. But overall, this is a great fun fight. I think Julian Erosa will get it done. I know I've contradicted a few of the things I've said in this because Steven Peterson is super tough. I think this is a pretty disrespectful line. A pretty disrespectful line. But I like Erosa to get it done. He is my pick. But again, Steven Peterson is live. And this is a live bet fight. I think we'll know everything we need to know in the first two minutes of this fight. If Julian Rosa is landing when he wants, setting the pace, Julian Rosa is the pick. Steven Peterson's marching forward, getting Julian Rosa on his back foot, then I think Steven Peterson will keep that and get that done. What do you think, Jakey boy? Yeah, I agree. I think Julian Rosa is probably the play. I think he's probably better everywhere. But Steven Peterson, I think is going to surprise a ton of people in this fight. I think he's going to surprise Julian Rosa with how good he is in this fight. Um, you know, 
I wish that I, I think this is going to be fight of the night. I think it's easily going to be the fight of the night. I think it could end up being a candidate for fight of the year. I think it's that good. I wish that this was on a pay-per-view card. So there was a, a full crowd. Even Steven Peterson mentioned that he doesn't even like fighting in the apex, which is unfortunate because this is in the apex because he likes to feed off the energy of the crowd. I think both these guys kind of feed off the energy of the crowd and get going. Julian Arosa to me is kind of like a poor man, Shane Burgos. They kind of fight the same way. They'll get in there nice and tight. They'll brawl. They're still good on the ground. and They'll do some wild stuff. Steven Peterson, I, I just think he's going to be a little tougher in this matchup. I think you're going to be surprised. I think his boxing is going to be maybe a little bit cleaner. And he mentioned, it's kind of funny, there's an interview where he talks about Junior Rose. He's like, dude, he's like, usually I'm like, I kind of get along with the people I'm fighting. I don't dislike people. I actually uh, get along with people without fighting more than like my friends because I can relate to those people more. He's like, Junior Rosa. It's like, this dude is like a weirdo, man. And this is not me saying it. This is him saying it. He's like, this dude's a weirdo. He was sending me DMs on Instagram, like, trying to get me to fight. I didn't see those DMs. So then he just started commenting on my photos, like, why are you ducking me, bro? Why are you ducking me, bro? So it's like, I guess if you want to fight, let's fight, because this dude's a weirdo. I want to knock him out, and I believe him. Listen, I think the safe play is Julian Rosa, probably not minus, for th- minus 300, whatever the odds are. I think the pick is probably Rosa, but... I'm going Steven Peterson. I like his attitude going to this fight. I think he gets a little bit nastier. He has one of the best knockouts you probably have never seen. Uh, a spinning back fist knockout where the guy he's fighting does a spinning back fist miss, and he does one at the same time. It just absolutely levels him. Please look it up. It's I guarantee it's the best knockout you've never seen. Uh, I, I'm going with Steven Peterson. Listen, yeah, I, I don't think that's a bad pick at all. I mean, I, I think it's a close fight. I do think it's a close fight. I think Juliana Rosa probably edges it because of that pace. And even the Charles Jordan's a great fight. We watched him have issues. We watched him fall behind. He was losing. And he was still tough enough, aware enough to pull it off and get it done. But I think minus 300 is crazy. And it's disrespectful to Steven Peterson because Steven Peterson's, you know, a tough guy that's pretty skilled. Is he as good of a striker as Julian Rosa? No. Is his wrestling as good? I don't think so. But I think he's more willing to use it. Is his grappling as good? His defense certainly is. I don't know about his offense. So I just think Julian Rose is a little better everywhere. Uh, yes, Jacob, you have a question? Uh, I, I comment if that's okay. Yeah, sure. Okay. I, I did place a bet on this fight. It was a two-unit bet on does not go the distance for minus 105. I think this is fireworks, and I think something wild happens. Both these guys are tough, but I think there's definitely, it gets so, so wild that there's a finish somewhere. I think they both chase the finish. Um, if this was a pay-per-view with the crowd, I'd feel even better about it, but I, I did inside the distance. It's minus 105. I feel good about it, two units. Yeah, I get where you're coming from. I, I do think, um, I mean, I guess... Yeah, well, you'll be rooting for a stoppage, which is always fun. I, 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 you know, they're both pretty tough, so it'll be interesting. I, I think the DraftKings prices are pretty disrespectful. I don't like Julian Rosa at ninety two hundred dollars, even though I do see him winning. Um, the odds are a bit crazy. You mentioned your bet and Monkey Knife Fight. You know, I think it goes a little longer, so I actually think more and more is pretty solid because I think they're going to slug it out, go at it, and it's going to be an ugly fight of the night. If you think there's a stoppage. What do you think of the Monkey Knife fight line? I mean, with the way these guys can brawl, they could hit these numbers in the second, like middle of the second round, honest to God, and and there could still be a finish in the third round. So this is, it's probably still, I think the safe play is still more and more because I think it's an absolute brawl. There might be more grappling than we expect. Uh, I think that's probably where Julian has the biggest advantage is, is in the kind of the straight up jujitsu. But um, I think these guys brawl, I think they go at it. I think they hit these numbers and I still think there's a finish. 
Yeah. All right. Well, then that sounds that legit sounds like a fight of the night. So this should be a really fun one. Let us know in the comments what you guys think, because I'm curious what people think of this fight. I cannot be the only one. We can't. I mean, you're on the other side, but the odds just seem the odds seem off because you're on the other side. Legitimately, you don't care about the odds, right? If it was if he was minus one ten, you'd still think he wins. Or are you yep. going that way because of the odds? No, I, I, I mean, my pit, like, if my pick is, is Steven Peterson, I think that yes. he finds a way to win. But the pick is a Rosa. I think that the odds should be like, might be, I think he should be the favorite. Man. It's like minus 175. It probably seems like fair odds to me. If he was to do that, that would probably be a safe bet. But minus 300, I wouldn't. But sure. Well, if you want 50 free bucks. <laughs> Go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. <laughs> I, 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 that long, elaborate radio. Yeah, sure. All right, moving on. <laughs> I mean, you made your point. Moving on. Wewantpicks.com slash bets. Sign up with any one of our five betting partners. Make a deposit. Let me know, and I'll send you $50 as a thank you. Oh, that's a big cat, Jacob. Thank you. You hear it? Mm-hmm. Next up at UFC... Next up at UFC Vegas 47, we have Brian Battle versus Trayson Gore in what should have been the actual Ultimate Fighter finale. If you remember, Brian Battle made it to the Ultimate Fighter finals, Trayson Gore made it to the Ultimate Fighter finals, and then Trayson Gore was injured, so Gilbert Urbina stepped in. Brian Battle won that fight, and he is officially the Ultimate Fighter winner, but this should have been the fight. So it's a pretty fun fight. Brian Battle, 6-1 in his career, 5-0 in his last five, and he's coming off that win over Gilbert Urbina to win the Ultimate Fighter. Tracing Gore, only 3-0. Only 3-0 as a pro. He's 5-0 in his last five, or 5-0 total, if you include the fights in the Ultimate Fighter house, but those are not professional fights. Brian Battle, I mentioned he's coming off that win over Gilbert Urbina. Gilbert Urbina was a late replacement. Um, Brian's a good striker. He's got solid volume, nice head kicks. He showed us in his last fight that his ground game is solid and he's never out of a fight. He has a decent he has decent takedown defense uh, and he'll look to keep this fight standing as he does most of his fights. Tracing Gore is heavy-handed come forward wrestler. Almost every single fight that he's in, he will throw three, four strikes in a row, immediately drop to the legs and try to get a takedown. If he doesn't get the takedown, he'll back up, he'll reset, He'll throw three, four strikes in a row and do the same things. And these are big, heavy strikes that he's throwing to set you up. And his fights go one of two ways. He either gets the takedown, works from there, beats you up, or he holds you against the cage and then rides out that way, starts racking up points. It's an interesting style. It's a nonstop cycle. He has the cardio to continue doing that over and over and over. And I think that's why Tracy Gore is the favorite because a lot of these bookies see him just doing that to Brian Battle, and this fight is somewhat similar to Brian Battle versus Gilbert Urbina in the tough finale, because if you remember that fight, Brian was not having a good night at all. He was on the wrong side of both the striking and the grappling exchanges, but he was tough enough to hang. He ended up pulling off a submission win because Gilbert was absolutely exhausted, and I think this will be similar in that Gore will be looking to get it to the ground, Battle will be looking to strike. I think Gore will also have some success with the striking entries. Definitely have success with the grappling. I like Gore to win this fight. But Brian Battle has proved just how tough he actually is. And, you know, the guy is 3-0. and Putting a flag in the ground, declaring him, oh, he's going to dominate. He's 3-0. and 
It's a little risky, but I think Tracing Gore wins, and I think just forward pressure, the heavy strikes to set up the nonstop takedowns, gets it done, keeps Brian Battle on his back foot the whole time. What do you think, Jakey Boy? First of all, let me get something out of the way. Brian Battle does not look like that anymore. If you've seen his Instagram, this dude is jacked now. He's got the six-pack. He is ripped. He looks like he he got his opportunity, and he is taking it serious. He changed his entire body, and we'll see if he comes in and performs even better because you mentioned that last fight. He fought through real adversity that fight and was able to pull it out, which is a good thing. But you don't want to keep doing that, especially against a guy like Gore, who's going to get the takedowns and is going to try to do the exact same thing. So Brian Battle, to me, in this fight, I know that that Gore is only three and zero. Battle's you know six and one. Technically, he's got you know twice as much experience. But to me, when I watch Brian Battle, it seems like he's still thinking in the octagon. It seems like it's okay. This okay now. This okay now. This where Gore. Even at 3-0, it seems like everything is so fluid, especially on the ground. With the takedowns, with the scrambling, with the grappling, it just seems like it's more natural. Brian's still thinking a little bit, and honestly, I think that's the difference in this fight. I think Gore's just a little bit quicker. He's going to be a little bit quicker to the the positions where where Battle's going to be trying to think through the positions, Um, and I think Gore's going to win this fight. So I think Battle battle is, you know, I don't think he's going to get dominated, but I think Gore's going to win this fight. Um, So uh, that's that's my pick. Yeah, I think uh, we're both on the Gore side. And what's interesting, though, there's a, there's a bunch of factors here. I, I do not. This is not a fight that you should bet on, because Tracy Gore is only three and zero. He's also coming off an injury. I don't know what that meant for his training and how far that set him back or what that meant for him. Brian Battle, like you said, he looks very raw, very sloppy. He was like minus two hundred in that Ultimate Fighter finale against a late replacement who didn't make it to the finale, a late replacement coming off a loss. And he was losing that fight. Yes, he won. He pulled it off. And it's not like he needed to pull it off at the end of the third, like it was in the second round. But, you know, he he was losing that fight. He was on the wrong side of the striking and the grappling exchanges until he was able to pull it off. So I like Gore to win, but there are a lot of question marks. There's a lot of, you know, factors in here that just, I can't lay out my actual money on this fight. With that being said, the odds are probably correct. I almost moneylined Trayson Gore. I was very close to moneylining him because when I when I broke down the fight, I took my notes. I said, bet Trayson Gore. And then when I actually went through, I'm like, yeah, man, dude has three fights. I just, I, this is my money. I'm not willing to lay that down just yet. What do you think of DraftKings? 8,300 is actually worth it. I like him in DraftKings. For $8,300. There should be some takedowns. And if there's not, plenty of cage control and striking. Yeah, I like I like him for eighty three hundred dollars. The only the only way he gets in trouble is if he gives up his back to to battle, and I don't know if he's going to do that in this fight. Uh, I agree that minus one forty. I don't know if I'm going to put it straight on him, but I think he's going to be in a parlay of mine uh, for sure. That minus one forty. So I like him eighty three hundred. I like him in a parlay. Um, and the monkey knife fight is um, is interesting because with those takedowns, I don't know. What do you think about that? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not going to touch the monkey knife fight because this could go so many ways. Listen, you don't need to bet on every single fight. You don't need to play every fight in fantasy. Like, you just don't. There's 13 fights in this card. There's 26 fighters on this card. Some of them you can just watch and enjoy. And this is one. Because if Tracy Coward comes out here, blows the brakes off Brian Battle, well, next time I'll bet on him. Next time. Right now, not so much. 
So I'm not going to touch the bets. I'm not going to touch Monkey Knife Fight. Maybe a live bet opportunity. Maybe Trayson does those three, four big strikes in a row, gets to the legs, gets a takedown, bang, betting him, done. So we'll see what happens. Um, picks.com slash bets. Sign up, make a deposit, get 50 free dollars from us. After you do, wewantpicks.com slash bets. Then we have at UFC Vegas 47, a late replacement. Brendan Allen is now taking on Sam Alvey. This happened hours ago, literally a couple hours before we're doing this breakdown live. Brendan Allen stepped in to replace Phil Hawes on short notice. It's about four or five days, depending if you're calculating to the actual fight or if you're calculating to weigh-ins, four or five days or so. And this is an interesting fight, a very, very different fight for Sam Alvey. And let's not forget, Phil Allen was already a short notice opponent. And now Brendan Allen, another short notice opponent. Sam Alvey Phil is Phil Allen. Third. Oh, yeah. Phil Hoss. Phil Allen's a person, though, who would beat Sam Alvey in a fist fight. Um, anyway, Sam Alvey, 33 and 16 overall. Six-fight winless streak, unfortunately, for him. He hasn't won a fight since 2018. Brendan Allen, 17 and 5 overall, 3 and 2 in his last five, and he is coming off of that KO loss to Chris Curtis. Again, this fight was just announced a few hours ago. It's very short notice for for Brendan Allen, which is why this is at light heavyweight and not middleweight. Sam Alvey gets a lot of leash in the UFC. He's on that pretty bad losing skid right now, but he's always fun to watch, and that's why he gets opportunities. He has deceiving power. He's got unorthodox striking. He can put you away with one of his weird looping shots. And he will always be in a fight. It's it's not often that you see somebody come out there and just beat the brakes off of Sam Alvey. He is in these fights. He keeps these fights competitive. And don't just look at his record and make a snap judgment or a snap decision from that. I liked Sam Alvey in his matchup against Phil Hawes. I thought he was very, very live in that fight. This is a much different fight, very different styles. Brendan Allen is a BJJ black belt with solid low kicks, solid takedowns, and much improved striking. He moved to Sanford MMA a few camps ago, and you can see those improvements. Historically, his game plan was grappling. He would get the takedowns, be really tough on top, have solid submissions, and he'd work from there. But at some point in the last year and a half, he turned into a striker. Two fights ago against Puna Heel, who's also on this card, he outstruck him. He avoided the big power early and then just out... Stop touching your microphone. He avoided the big strikes early and then just outpointed Puna Heel and got that fight done, which was interesting for him because he was traditionally a grappler. And before that fight, we've seen Brendan Allen get sucked into striking exchanges that he shouldn't get sucked into that didn't go his way. But he was able to pull that one off. The clear path for Brendan Allen in this fight, as most of his fights, is to grapple. It's absolutely to grapple. Because if you look at his last fight against Chris Curtis, he was striking with the wrong guy, got caught, got put out. I mentioned it earlier. This is a much different matchup for San Alvey. And I think this is a much tougher matchup matchup for Sam Alvey. I think Brendan Allen will be the more technical striker, but Sam will definitely have more power. He definitely has a better chin. 
Brendan Allen will be the superior grappler, but Sam has fantastic takedown defense. Brendan Allen's definitely the pick here. I think, and I could be wrong, he's at Sanford MMA. I think he was down there training with Phil Hawes for this fight the last few weeks. So I think he's been training, preparing, and in the gym getting things done specifically for Sam Alvey. So I like Brendan Allen, but he absolutely needs to grapple and avoid some of those big, crazy, looping punches from Sam Alvey. And the last thing I'll mention before I go to you, if you look at the stats here, Sam Alvey is listed at having 16% takedown accuracy. I posted this exact graphic on our Instagram at WeWantPicks. And Sam Alvey commented on it saying, the stats are wrong. I've shot one takedown in the UFC and I got it. So pretty funny comment from Sam Alvey, who's a pretty cool guy. I feel bad picking against him. What do you think? I completely disagree with how you see this fight going. I think the Phil Hawes fight was going to be a much tougher fight for Sam Alvey because not only it was going to be at 185, I think Phil Hawes is a much, much, much better wrestler than Brendan Allen. I think because he got knocked out, he was going to come in, he was going to wrestle, he was going to take Sam Alvey down, he was just going to dominate, maul, you know, just just maul Sam Alvey, and that was going to be into that. I was I was Phil Halls all the way. I was going to say, you know what, Sam Alvey, great for you, you know, love you, but you're going to get dominated. In this fat and this matchup now, 205 pounds. Brendan Allen is not a wrestler; he is a grappler, jujitsu. I think those takedowns are very very tough to get. And Brendan Allen has shown time and time and time again that he just does not want to grapple. He just doesn't want to do it. And can he win the striking exchange against Brendan Allen or against Sam Alvey? Yeah. And he probably is going to feel like he is going to win the striking exchanges. And in those exchanges, he probably is going to be winning them. But as the fight goes on, Sam Alvey has this weird way. I know he hasn't won in seven fights or whatever. He has this weird way of, you know, he, he can't strike with people. And if there's ever an opportunity that Sam Alvey is going to win a fight, it's going to be in the striking, and it's going to get be against a, a grappler who thinks he's a striker in Brennan Allen. I think Brennan Allen is a very overrated striker. I think he thinks he's a lot better than he is, and that's why he keeps striking. I think even if he wants to grapple in this matchup, the 205 pounds, I think he's going to have issues getting Sam Alvey to the ground, where I think Phil Hawes was going to have no issues at all. And, and in the striking... You know, he, he should win the striking exchanges, I guess. But Sam Alvey is, is a good striker, man. And, you know, with that extra weight, we'll see what happens. If you got some more power, maybe Sam, smiling Sam, comes out with some big power in those hands at 205. And maybe he resurrects his career. You know, it's Glover versus Sam Alvey for the title. We don't know. But uh, I think that Sam Alvey is going to come out and surprise people. Brent Allen, if he tries to grab on, I think he's going to be able to. And the striking exchanges, I think he's a very overrated striker. So Sabrina yeah, Allen's I, the pick, man, but Jesus Christ, I think this is tough. I, listen, I, 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 Sam Alvey does not get enough credit. I get it. His losing streak is rough. The fact that he's still in the UFC is, is surprising. But the reality is, watch those fights. A, they're fun. And B, he's in them. He's tough. He's hanging. I think he beats Brendan Allen. Three of them are split a, decisions. The la, three of those last four are split decisions. Yeah. He's in those fights. And... The, the reality is there are still question marks here. Brendan Allen got knocked out cold. Cold. Just a few months ago. How long ago was that? I don't even think it was three, four months I don't months even ago. remember who, who called that, too. Somebody said that Chris Curtis was going to knock out Brendan Allen. And I, I, we have to watch the tape at some point. But um, I mean, somebody called it. Yeah, you called it. Uh, I live bet Brendan Allen in that fight picked up Chris <laughs> Curtis, dumped him. I immediately live bet. And then he was immediately knocked out. 
And uh, Chris Curtis commented on that video saying, ooh, that even hurt me to watch. Meaning talking about <laughs> me spending money. my money on yeah. Brandon Allen 30 seconds before he was knocked out. But he was out. And he was, and it takes time for your chin to recover. So there are questions here. Sam Alvey has power. Sam Alvey is is a good fighter, regardless of his recent streak. And honestly, if you just, their records are similar, if, you know, just percentage-wise. Like, it's not like Brendan Allen is this world beater and Sam yeah, it's, Alvey it's, is just a smiling, si- smiling Sam Alvey sounds like he's just like a pretty boy. This dude gets into wars, man. And he yeah. wins exchanges inside of wars. And that's going to be an issue for Brendan Allen. Yeah, so it's eight weeks ago, not even three months. So, listen, I still think Brendan Allen's the pick, but this may be a Sam Alvey plus 305. I might do a tiny bit money line, or because Sam Alvey's so tough, this may be a solid buy myself around or do a uh, wins inside the distance decision no action bet on Sam Alvey. You're only going to get both of those at wewantpicks.com slash bets. We have five betting partners. The one betting partner that offers... Those bets that offers the wins inside the distance, but you get a refund if it goes to a decision or buy one round on the judge's scorecard. The only book that offers that is bet online. So we want picks.com slash bets. Sign up, make a deposit, let me know, and I'll send you 50 bucks as a thank you. What do you think of DraftKings? Because for Brendan Allen to be worth it, he's got to get a bunch of takedowns. And I don't know, he may shoot a million takedowns because he was just knocked out and he's worried about his chin. Or he may just strike again because he does that. I think he's kind. Of, I think he's going to strike. I think he's. This is going to be a, a war. And this might be a live bet situation where if it looks like he can't get the takedowns, if he looks like he continues to strike, maybe this is one of those instances where Sam Alvey is on the other side of a split decision win. And Sam Alvey at plus three hundred five, if Brendan Allen even looks like he's winning at all, those those odds are going to balloon very very quickly in the first round of plus five hundred, plus six hundred. I'm just saying, if if Brendan Allen's not going to get those those takedowns. This is going to be a long night for him. He probably still should win, but I'm not playing him at $9,300. Well, and he could be tired too. Like, it, I mean, there's a lot of wild. Short notice is a lot, of, is a lot of a lot of red flags here. A lot of red flags. Well, and his short notice at light heavyweight. If it was short notice at middleweight, it's like, all right, maybe he was training his ass off in camp, helping Phil Hawes ready to go, but it, it's at light heavyweight. And I get it. It's five days notice. So that is hard, but, you know, it's interesting. I think uh, the odds are honestly... The odds are correct from a, you know, thousand mile view. But once you look a little closer at those Sam Alvey losses, you, you factor in Brendan Allen coming off a knockout, you factor in the short notice, all of a sudden it should be a little tighter. So this should be a pretty fun fight. We don't have monkey knife fight line yet. We already talked about the bets. If you want yourself some free money, we on picks.com slash bets. Next up, at UFC Vegas 47, we have Shavkat Rachmanov versus Carlson Harris. Shavkat Rachmanov is 14-0 with 14 stoppages. Carlson Harris is 17-4. He's 5-0, riding a five-fight stoppage streak. Shavkat Rachmanov, this guy's pretty special, man. He's a good, good fighter. He's one of those guys that when you watch him, you just feel it. You feel like you're watching somebody special do something special. He's 14-0, has a 100% finish rate. He's knocking people out on their feet. He's taking them down and submitting them. He's even jumping to guillotine. I've mentioned that a few times, but how many people have we seen jump to a guillotine and blow it, lose the position, 
and it's a mess. He's doing it and getting them, and I think he's done it twice I've seen. So, you know, the guy takes chances. He's doing great things on his feet, great things on the ground, and absolutely getting it done. He could literally win a fight everywhere. He's hard to hit, and he also has a ton of power. He's got solid defensive wrestling and judo, and he's very active when he gets it to the ground. Carlson Harris is also a pretty well-rounded guy. He's got wild striking, but he has some power in there. He's a very slick, opportunistic grappler as well, meaning he'll snatch up a darse or even a standing head and arm when he sees an opening. We've seen him hold people against the cage and then work in a head and arm choke while holding them against the cage. His wrestling is solid. He doesn't have traditional takedowns. It's mostly body locks and trips. Uh, and as soon as he hits the mat, he's working towards something. Uh, this should be a really fun fight because Carlson loves to swing wild with his striking and Rachmanov has no issues getting into a firefight. Both guys are finishers. Both guys can make things happen on the ground. I understand the odds here, you know, minus 240, flirting with a three-to-one favorite. I understand the odds. I do disagree. I, I think this is a fun competitive fight. Carlson could absolutely pull this off as an underdog. I would argue if this gets out of the first and late in the second, Carlson could take over. And I haven't necessarily seen Shavkat completely gas, but I have seen him slow down. I have seen him get frustrated if he's not stopping people. Like he doesn't necessarily keep his composure the entire fight where Carlson has seen adversity in fights and continues to come forward, doesn't slow down. There's no hiccups there. I will give the edge to Rachmanov here because I think he can get it to the ground more effectively. Uh, I think he's definitely, you know, he's the better striker. Carlson Harris is wild and has more power, but I think Rachmanov is probably the better striker. Carlson has solid wrestling. He's undefeated in the UFC. He's currently 0 for 4 in takedowns in the UFC, and he might need them here. So I like Rachmanov, but it is an interesting fight. What do you think, Jakey? Yeah, I know everyone loves Rachmanov. He's kind of like the the new thing, the new smasher, the um, you know the the face of the uh, the welterweight division coming up and coming. But there's something about Carlson Harris, man, in this matchup that I just absolutely love, and I think it is just a relentless wrestling. I think he's able to get the takedowns, and with that 14 and 0 record, Rachmanov. He's not used to losing exchanges. He's not used to being on his back. He's not used to being in those situations. You mentioned the adversity. Of, of, be, of being in a situation where you're losing. And I think there's going to be a moment in this fight, and I think it happens early within the first two minutes, where Carlson Harrison gets that body lock, he gets a takedown, Rachmanov feels that pressure. I think there's going to be a real oh shit moment for Rachmanov in this fight early. And I think Carlson Harrison kind of dominates from that point on where he gets a little desperate. He gets a little bit wild. I've already seen in a lot of his exchanges when he throws combos, it's a lot of times it's hands low out of those combos. He throws wild and his hands don't really come back up. Carlson Harrison, I think, can catch him with some of his wild shots or exchanges or just get him to the ground and dime him to the ground. I, you know, I, I, I see this. I think the odds are wild. I think Carlson Harrison is much much, much better than people give him credit for. I think his wrestling and grappling is is fantastic, especially in this matchup. And I think that Rachmanov is going to find himself in some trouble, and he's not going to know what to do when he's in that situation. Um, I, th I think he panics, and I think Carlson Harrison gets the job done. I think he wins a fight. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not going to fight you on that. I, I think Rachmanov wins, but this these odds are stupid. This should be minus 150... 
plus 100. It should be something like that. Like, the, these odds are crazy. I totally get why. I mean, Rachmanov's 14-0 with 14 stoppages. I get it. The dude's the real deal. He's very, very, very good. But Carlson Harris is stupid tough. Has crazy... Like, his crazy striking could be a problem, or he can get caught because he's swinging like crazy. But interesting fight. I like Rachmanov, but this is... this Again, this... This is a weird card. We're going to leave Saturday night with every single favorite dominating and the odds were correct, or there's a lot of underdogs. I don't think this is a card where there's an in-between. I think it's one way or the other. DraftKings-wise, again, $9,000. I will probably spend it. I understand this fight is super close. The odds are wrong, but the, you know I, I got to lean on history here. He's 14-0 with 14 stoppages, and that's exactly what you need in DraftKings or stoppages. So I will probably spend the money because there's not a lot of other people on this card at that price point that I trust. So I will probably spend the money on him. You obviously like Carlson Harris at $7,200? Uh, well, I have my lock of the week that's kind of the same price, so it's a tough decision here. Uh, I got to put my lock of the week in there, so that's just the way the money weighs, weighs out. So he's probably not going to be in my lineup, but if I didn't have my lock of the week that I had to put in my lineup, you know, it's a whole thing. Yeah, and uh, I, I guess I hear you. Uh, monkey knife fight strike line 67 to 34. I don't know what to do with that. 67 is so high for a dude that has only stoppages, but I like, you know, I do like this fight to go a little bit. I think it's a, um, a competitive fight and I think there could be some solid striking, especially on the ground. And both of these guys as of now have a 100% takedown defense. Carlson Harris has not gotten a takedown debt in the UFC and he will need one to win this fight. So I, I probably like the more and more here in Monkey Knife Fight. What do you think? Uh, I think it's a lot of uh, grappling exchanges and scrambles and stuff. So I, I don't like this line at all. I'm staying. I'm not going to give an answer. I refuse. Okay. Well, very as always, incredibly helpful with just solid, solid insight. If you want to play a line and actually have a point, Go to wewantpicks.com slash MKF. Sign up with Monkey Knife Fight. They'll instantly match your deposit. All you do is say more or less on the strike lines here. And if you hit it, you could almost triple your money. You could even 25 times your money if you want to smash some of those together. And if you want 50 free dollars, go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. Sign up, make a deposit, get your 50 free bucks. Next up. At UFC Vegas 47, we have the co-main event of the evening. We have Punahil Soriano versus Nick Maximov. Punahil Soriano, 8-1 overall, 4-1 in his last five, and he's coming off the first loss of his career to Brendan Allen. Nick Maximov, 7-0. He's 5-0 in his last five, coming off a decision win just a few months ago. Punahil is a striker who has tons of power and can put most people out on their feet. He can also wrestle. He has four takedowns in the UFC, which includes three against Jamie Pickett in his contender series win. He is listed as having a 100% takedown defense, but he has literally only defended one single takedown in the UFC, and that was from Brendan Allen in his last fight. Punahil can be first rounder bust. We've seen him gas. But he's a very, very dangerous striker. Nick Maximov is a very solid BJJ guy who knows what he's good at, and he sticks to it. His striking is pretty raw. His takedowns are just okay, but his grappling is very good. He's a 
um, Diaz, they keep saying that he's the one who's going to carry the Nick and Nate Diaz flag forward. Uh, he's an interesting guy because most of his fights were against guys with losing records. But then his, you know, a couple wins ago in the contender series, that was at heavyweight and that was a solid win. And now he's at middleweight and this picture, he looks a little soft, but if you go to his Instagram, he's not looking soft. There's a bunch of boxing pictures. Is he pretty hard? <laughs> there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of a boxing training pictures. Um, so he's taking his boxing pretty serious and, and he looks to be in legit shape. And this is an interesting matchup because it's striker versus grappler, old school throwback. And we've not really seen Puna Heels grappling tested. We saw him get completely outclassed by Brendan Allen on his feet, but not much in the way of grappling. We also haven't seen Nick Maximov spend much time striking. In his fight against Cody Brundage, he had four takedowns and only landed 14 strikes in that entire fight. I think the odds are correct here. I get it. Um, because Puna Heel, two to one favorite. It makes sense. But if it gets to the ground, I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up looking like a two to one dog. If it gets out of the first round, I wouldn't be surprised if Puna Heel ended up looking like a two to one dog. I, I, Puna Heel has been my pick for the last week or so. But seeing Nick Maximov boxing and training with professional boxers and trying to elevate his boxing game. If he can survive shoot takedowns and exhaust Puna heel who we've seen get tired. If he can do that all of a sudden, Nick Maximov wins this fight. I have to side with Puna heel still because he's definitely dangerous. He must recognize that that Brendan Allen loss was pretty embarrassing and made cardio improvements and things like that. So, Puna heals the pick. I think it's a you know I think it's a lot closer. I get the odds because of how dangerous he is, but I think it's closer. Nick Maximov training his boxing can mix in some takedowns to exhaust Puna heel. All of a sudden, Nick Maximov can look like a pretty big favorite in this fight. What do you think? Yeah. So when I break down fights, I break down the fights. I I pick a winner. I think you do the same thing, and then you look at the odds, right? So when I was looking at these fights, I was looking at Soriano, Nick Maximov. I was like, I was, I was like, you know what? Nick is the favorite in this fight. Nick, Nick Maxwell is the better fighter in this fight. I think he can win this fight almost anywhere. Um, and I was going to go into this whole speech where I was going to say, you know, Nick is definitely the pick for this fight. He's the favorite, but I got to go with my Hawaiian tough dude. I love my Hawaiian Soriano. I think he's going to win because he's tough. And then I looked at the odds. I'm like, what, what the hell is going on here? A two to one favorite for Soriano. I was like, so my pick is Soriano because he's Hawaiian tough, but in honesty, I think Nick Maximov is a better fighter in this matchup. I, I think he proved in his last fight. I think, like you, as you mentioned, I think his striking is improving with the Diaz brothers. Listen, you don't have to be a great striker. If you're the Diaz brothers, you just kind of pitter-patter, volume, 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 get the takedowns that they can never get, and then, uh, you know, dominate on the ground. I think that's what he does. I, I think I think that he... I don't know if he dominates this matchup, but I think he wins this pretty clear. I think he gets it to the ground. I think he probably submits him, but Soriano is my play because I'm never going to pick against a Hawaiian in my life. I, I love them, my Hawaiians, so uh, Soriano is my pick, but I think Nick is probably the pick for everyone else. Don't listen to me. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I've I've flipped on this. I haven't. I didn't flip. I guess I'm still with Punahil, but I did think that Punahil... I had Nick Maximov at like just sort of a old school can grapple but do nothing else. And now I'm starting to come around and, you know, his striking is very raw, but if he's starting to button it up, and I think just Puna Heel's last loss to Brendan Allen is just not a good look. It's just 
not aging well at all because Brendan Allen is not a striker. And then he came out and Brendan Allen got smoked by Chris Curtis in the striking. So it just wasn't a great look. With that being said, Punahil's still the pick. What do you think of DraftKings and that pricing? I mean, Punahil, $8,600 is a bargain if he gets that stoppage. But all of a sudden, Nick Maximov pulls it off. $7,600 is not so bad. Listen, my, my pick for my brain is Nick Maximoff. I'm, I'm picking Soriano from the heart, but in DraftKings, I'm probably going to play $7,600 for Nick Maximoff. I think he's able to get the takedowns, and once he's on the ground, he is he is a menace on the ground. So uh, I think he's a, a, a better wrestler than people think, and I think he's going to prove it in this fight. Yeah, it'll be an, this. Is, this honestly is a really interesting fight. I, I'm probably not going to touch Maximoff it with by bets. submission plus 375. So that they, they respect his sum, submission game for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... You know, I'm just so torn because I, I do think this is a, a pretty close fight. This is one I'm just going to watch live. Maybe I'll throw a live bet on it. We'll see if, you know, if Punahil connects a few times, Nick looks uncomfortable, then we'll double down. If if Nick all of a sudden gets to the legs and Punahil's slowing down, we'll see what happens. Uh, you, Jacob, yeah. Thank you. Uh, I just placed... Place two bets, uh, half unit on each. Maximov, round two, round three submission. Round two is plus 1,400. And round three submission is plus 2,200. I put a half unit on both. Wow. Wow. Okay. You know, money well spent, I guess. We'll see what happens. You like taking those flyers. I'm a little more measured. You do like taking those chances. If you want 50 free bucks and you want to take some chances, go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. Sign up with any one of our five betting partners, make a deposit, let me know, and we'll send you 50 free bucks as a thank you. I have no idea what to do with this monkey knife fight line. None whatsoever. So I'm just going to leave this alone and, and enjoy the fight. Well, I said that last fight. You started, oh, thanks for the breakdown. Great insight because I didn't pick and now you do the exact same thing. It's very crazy how this show runs. It, well, get your own show. Next up, at UFC Vegas 47, we have the main event of the evening. We have Jack Hermanson taking on Sean Strickland. Jack Hermanson, 22-6 overall, 3-2 in his last five, alternating wins and losses. Sean Strickland, 24-3 overall, and he's riding that five-fight win streak. But he is coming off of a grappling loss in December. Wasn't a fight. It was a grappling match, but he did lose. Take that for what it's worth. That may be a factor here because he's about to fight a grappler. And Jack Hermanson is a great grappler. If he takes you down, he's pretty dominant from there. His striking is solid, but he's not going to be KOing anybody anytime soon. What I like about Jack is that he will stick to a game plan. And he'll have success with it. He took Shabazian down three times in a win. Marvin Vittori, he took him down twice in a loss. Jacare Sousa three times in a win. And he's just not afraid to put himself in harm's way to get those takedowns and make something happen. Sean Strickland, he's a blue-collar striker. And I say that because he literally only throws punches. And he doesn't even turn his hips. He just walks forward, throws a ton of punches just like this. There's no hip rotation. He's not even turning half of them over. And he doesn't have incredible power, but he does have deceiving power. We've seen him drop people with jabs because I think it's just stiff and there's just so much volume there. I don't know how there could be power because he's literally not moving his hips. It's just from his arms. 
he um you know he he's a weird guy to watch he's a weird guy to watch it's literally just a million it's like when a child i have a young daughter five years old and when she goes let's fight it she just stands there and goes like this and that's exactly how sean strickland fights except he's also walking forward when he does it he does have fantastic takedown defense though at 81 percent. and what is more impressive is that it's newer meaning earlier in his career he was taken down but he cleaned those things up and he has now gotten that under control so much so that in his fight against Uriah Hall, he had four takedowns of his own. So early in his career, Sean Strickland would get taken down pretty often. That's how you beat him. Now, later in his career, not only is he not getting taken down, in his last fight against Uriah Hall, he got four takedowns of his own. Completely flipped the script and, and surprised quite a few people, especially Uriah Hall. And this is an interesting fight because for a little while now, I personally have thought Sean Strickland's a bit overrated. It's hard to watch him and be like, wow, that guy is the guy with incredible striking. The guy who doesn't turn his hips over. Him. I know that Hermanson isn't exactly like the number one contender, but I do think he's an opponent that will not be comfortable standing in front of Sean Strickland and just handing over a decision. I think... He will shoot takedowns, be aggressive at it, and just nonstop look to wrestle and look to make something happen. I don't think he's just going to hand Sean Strickland a decision win by standing in front of him and being a punching bag. The problem is I just don't know if that's enough. I don't know if it's enough. I don't know if he'll get the takedowns. And if he does, I don't know that Sean Strickland's not just going to pop back up and throw a million more strikes because in the past, Sean, or, uh, Jack Hermanson has been a bit takedown or bust. And I'm worried that he'll be takedown or bust in this fight. I, I'm going with Sean Strickland here, but this is another one. I think these odds are wide. And Jack Hermanson could come out here, just bite down at his mouthpiece and shoot 100 takedowns and win the fight that way. What do you think? Yeah, this is exactly what that is. It's takedown or bust. Because if he stands on the feet with Sean Strickland, you've seen every single person that tries to stand eventually just gets out-volumed and out-jabbed. Jack Hermanson has got to get this fight to the ground. And he's got to do it early. He's got to do exactly what he did in the Esmond Shabazzian fight in the second round. So he was kind of playing around with him in the first. He was trying, trying. And then the second round, he just said, screw it. In the first 10 seconds, he shot across. He got on the legs. He got the takedown. That's exactly what he needs to do here. Because if he starts messing around, that Sean Strickland jab is just going to jab, jab. Jabby, you're going to get eaten alive, and then you're going to be too tired to get the takedowns every single round. First 10 seconds, you got to fool your life. Get on this dude's hips and get him to the ground and just hold him there. Otherwise, you're going to do what everyone else did, and that's going to lose a striking match. It's not pretty, you know, as you mentioned, but he gets it done. It's just volume, volume, volume. He'll start, talk, he'll start talking to the guy. He's already fought one Jack where he's like, come on, Jack. I'm going to give you a chance to win, Jack. You know, I, I used to love the Sean Strickland guy, but then I think he's, I, I'm not going to get too into it too much. I think he bought into his own bullshit. It's kind of getting tired to me. I hope Jack wins. I don't think he's going to be able to. I don't think he's going to get the takedown. Uh, I'm, on, I'm on Sean Strickland in this because I, I just don't think that Jack's going to get the takedowns. Yeah, and that's, and that's the problem. And if you look at his takedown accuracy, it's only 36%. His only path to victory is takedowns. And 36%, so almost two-thirds of the time, you cannot do what you need to do to win the fight. That's obviously troublesome. And 82% of the time, Sean Strickland has been able to keep it on his feet and not get taken down. So this just seems to be Sean Strickland's time. He's putting it together and then he's hitting his stride in his career. We'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, 
that incredible pace, this the stupid arm punches may get it done. I mean, look at that. He's almost got six significant strikes per minute, only getting hit with a little under four on the way back. So Sean Strickland's my pick. But if Jack Hermanson wins, he's going to look like... Jack Hermanson's not going to win a close decision. If Jack Hermanson wins, he blew through Sean. Uh, yes, you in the front row. Uh, one of the best comments I ever saw, maybe not ever, that's probably a stretch, but one of the best comments in the past few days I ever saw was, Sean Strickland, if it, Sean Strickland fought Kevin Holland, it would be the best podcast of all time because they both just are nonstop <laughs> talking in the octagon. So they would just talk the entire time. It would be the best podcast in the world. So besides, we won't beat yeah, that is a funny uh, that is a funny funny comment. What do you think of DraftKings? You got to go with one of these guys. I mean, it's a main event. It's likely if it goes five rounds, Sean Strickland hit Jack Hermanson a million times, blew past that one thirty two number, and scored you a bunch of points. If it doesn't, most likely Jack Hermanson got Sean Strickland down and pulled something off. So I like Sean Strickland, and and honestly, he's under the. I'm surprised he's not at nine thousand something bucks. So eighty eight hundred bucks, he'll probably be in the lineup. What do you think? Yeah, he's probably gonna be in mine too. This could be if this goes all five rounds. If if Jack can't get the takedowns, he could look like Calvin Qatar in that Max Holloway fight. You saw how many times uh, Qatar got hit in that fight. It could be the same thing. Not gonna be the same type of power, but just jab, 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 and just gonna be. He's gonna be sure. roadkill, roadkill. <laughs> Stupid. And then the monkey knife fight strike line is just so tricky. Because Sean Strickland has blown past that strike line, you know, in a few times, but he's also not. Because, yes, he's got a ton of volume, but depending if he's defending takedowns or got his own takedowns like in the last fight. So I don't know what to do with that monkey knife fight strike line. Those lines do move with the money, so I'm probably going to wait for that line to move and then see if it comes down. Maybe I'll grab the more. If it goes way up, I'll grab the less. But uh, I don't know what to do with that. What do you think of that strike line? Uh, it's five rounds. I'd probably play more more to be safe. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens here. I personally want Jack Hermanson to win, but most likely Sean Strickland wins. Guys, thank you so much for the watch. Make sure you like the stream, share the video, do all the things. And if you want fifty free dollars, go to wewantpicks.com/bets. Sign up with any one of our five betting partners. Make a deposit. Let us know after you do, and we'll send you fifty bucks as a thank you. We'll see you guys on Friday after the weigh-ins for all of our final picks. And then Saturday before the fights so we can do our full card parlay. Make sure you become a member to qualify for our DraftKings giveaway and our full card parlay when that eventually pays out. We'll see you guys then.